Tam. And I'm Katie. And I'm Barry. And this is the Nerdbook Review. Today... Today? Oh. Oh, go ahead, Katie. I'm not used to having you here, so... (laughs) Today, we will be reviewing Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. Yay! Barry, thank you for being here tonight, and uh, I think you had a message for Chris. Hey, Chris, guess what? I'm doing a podcast with Cameron Skaggs and his wife right now. (laughs) How do you like me now? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Chris. Had to say it. Okay. Um, Let's go ahead and give you the book info real quick. Uh, It was first published in 1992. It is 400 and... How long does that one say? I swear I've seen three different ones. Where's the paperback? A paperback writer. Any Beatles fans out there? You're going to have to subtract a half a page because... Because <laughs> you brand tore it out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Brand tore a page out, but that's okay. Only Katie, half a page. Katie taped it get together marvelously. And in my paperback copy, it is 468 copies BC. Okay. <laughs> and then the one I read said it was 438. So anyways, we're just going to go with uh, that 468 in paperback. Okay. Um, I actually read the book years ago, apparently. Forgot that I read it until I listened to it on audiobook this time around. That's why I was a little confused on the page numbers. I did not read the physical copy. I listened to it. Um, Stevenson has a ton of novels out. There are like there was like 15 or 20 listed on Goodreads. Uh, the only other thing I've read by him was the Mongoliad Cycle, which he actually did with several other authors. Uh, it was about like a group of Western fighters who were uh, trying to stop the Mongol invasions. I read the first book, got into the second one, and didn't care for it. Also, I need to mention that I screwed up, and in several things that I wrote and said, that I thought this book was published in the year 2000, because that was the the Kindle edition said it was. And so I thought that this book was a ripoff of Virtual Light, um, and written 10 years after. Turns out it was actually written the year before Virtual Light, so it clearly wasn't a ripoff. Anywho, if you listen to this, I apologize <laughs> for being a jackass. Barry? I, nope. I mean, you're usually a jackass about something. So. It's, it's true. That's just life. Hey, do you want to read the, the book cover, the book jacket, if there is one? Absolutely. Barry reads real books, so we have a copy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Only once in a great while. Oh, wait. That is a book review. That is not part of what I'm trying to do. Let me go (laughs) below the word here. In reality, hero protagonist. Yes, that's the name of your protagonist in this book. Hero protagonist. H-I-R-O, the Japanese name protagonist. Delivers pizza for Uncle Enzo's Cosa Nostra Pizza Incorporated. But the metaverse, he's a warrior prince plunging headlong into the enigma of a new computer virus that's striking down hackers everywhere. He races along the neon-lit streets on a search-and-destroy mission for the shadowy virtual villain threatening to bring about Infopocalypse. How do I pronounce that? Infocalypse? That's what I would have thought. Infocalypse. The Infocalypse. I was going to call it the Infopocalypse, but I'm the I'm the odd guy out here. So, um, so There like, was no a second P in there. <coughs> sounds like a drink. I don't know. Snow Crash is a mind-altering romp through a future America so bizarre, so outrageous, you'll recognize it immediately. My take is a crazy conspiracy to take over a po- postmodern, almost apocalyptic America threatens millions, and only a small group led by hero protagonists in his quest to get his ex-girlfriend back can stop it. 
That's, I mean, that's the whole reason he goes to the uh, aircraft carrier, right? Is to get his girlfriend back? Pretty much. I Girls guess. are a great motivation, you know. Yeah. History's taught us one thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, talking about this book, this is a book that we could talk forever about. Barry, what's your first thought on it, I guess, is what I should ask. I always ask the guest. I like this book a lot because I like the uh, I like the sassiness that he has. I like the enthusiasm he brings towards the novel, and I really enjoy the wit that he does in this world making. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I get such a kick out of that, but I do. <laughs> That's what the main character. He is a pizza delivery guy. That's his day job. Usually not a very glamorous job, but you know, he he knows he's kind of a hero in the metaverse. So he calls himself the deliverator in the real world. And he likes delivering pizza, but it better be delivered on time, right? Oh yeah, if not, mm-hmm. like if there's like life or death consequences for the uh, delivery delivery driver. It's every stoner's dream, right? Yeah. <laughs> so Barry, well, before I so rudely cut you off, or my child did, um, what were what were you saying again now? About your like, first thoughts? I like the sassiness of the author. I like his <laughs> just, he puts a lot of detail to, into every thought. He puts a lot of, I love his world making, the first half of the book especially, and how he creates this world that just feels so alive with the words that he puts to it. It feels like it could exist at any moment. And there's a lot of a, a great attention to detail and sassiness. Is that a good word to use? Sure. Yes, it is. Yeah. I don't want to feel like Phil Hartman here calling everything sassy. You guys, SNL <laughs> fans, know what I'm talking about. But uh, I like, and he has a, just a, just his, he's a brilliant author with like the attention of detail that he, he gleans a lot of this from his experiences in the real world and takes and creates a, I don't know, I have to say fantasy world somewhat out of yeah. what he's noticed. And it's great parody and it's very insightful, I thought. Katie, what are your uh, first thoughts? I really enjoyed the beginning of the book. Mm-hmm. I I liked the female character YT for, throughout most of it. I didn't really care for Hito that much, but I mean, there are various reasons for that. <laughs> I also, I have to say that I understand you took Japanese and Hito might be the proper way to pronounce it, but I pretty I certain. don't even really do it on purpose. Yeah, I know. I'm giving you a hard time here, but I'm just saying that hero protagonist is he's it's got to be meant to be hero, am I right? Yeah, but it's it's hero. I know. I'm saying he, I'm saying the same thing. <laughs> I just have to give you a hard time. I mean, they call it Nippon, so They do actually, don't they? Yeah. Um so here's my thoughts on the book. I really liked 90% of it. That last 10% gets real bogged down. And there's one other, I have one other issue with the book. And that is that, so it describes the metaverse. Basically, it's like a super advanced VR. And a lot of people seem to be, you know, able to go into the the metaverse and spend a lot of time in it. And tech as a general rule is pretty advanced, you know, compared to like what we are right now in a lot of ways. Um, like YT is a delivery girl and she has like this skateboard that has like this crazy wheels that she, she bas- is a courier, a courier. Sorry. <laughs> She's a courier and she cannot wreck basically as long as she can stay on her board, you know, and they have advanced like suits and things like that. And I kind of feel like 
the way that this world is set up would be awfully hard for as much of that tech to exist as it does. Because I think you need a, a little bit more of a middle class for some of these things to be able to like fund the corporations that are building it or maybe even like a government, you know, funding. I understand that a lot of stuff gets done without government funding now, but it seems to me like you would need more middle class. I don't know that there isn't. I don't know that it it doesn't really show enough of the world, that's, but that's when true. you're in some of the burb claves there are ones that feel absolutely middle class. Oh, no. I think the verb, verb claims were middle class, but I felt, yeah. I guess I just wasn't Well, even quite sure. Mr. Lee's, which is described as lesser, is a verb clave. Yeah, that's true. But um, I feel like if there is a market for it, and if there are hundreds and hundreds of couriers in just that one area that are willing to buy those ridiculous wheels. Yeah, maybe so. And then they apparently use them in you know motorcycles and who knows what else you can use them in. I feel like with that kind of a market, a, like a, even the mafia could make that. Like, yeah, maybe to, you're right. To fund stuff. Barry, what do you think about what, what we're talking about here? Um, I'm not, I usually don't quibble. I'm not, I'm not trying to rip on you guys here. <laughs> I usually don't quibble over like how realistic a fantasy novel is. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about just, I might, part of why I liked it is just how much. The fantasy of it is, I know it's science fiction, but, you know, I can use them interchangeably a little bit oh, if yeah. I want mm-hmm. to. I think it, it I just almost judge this book because it, it's great parody of what the real world is and where he kind of sees the real world going. And I see, I'm, and that's why I found it pretty good. Yeah, you know, maybe the uh, one thing, for example, I think this, like, hero himself lives in this he rents out a like a storage unit. That's his house in the real mm-hmm. world, right? Yeah, and they say that like millions of people live in storage units. Yeah, that's yeah, which what is they are. and that's not too far off like our near future, especially in places <laughs> like Hong Kong, Los Angeles, yeah. San mm-hmm. Francisco. People are going to be living in smaller and smaller places while the rich have more and more. Even if they are fairly well off, you know, yeah, that's something that the middle class may be reduced to living in storage sheds at some point, and that's what he does in the real world. But he has no problem. But he feels like a king or so in the metaverse, and that's how he kind of just gets through things. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I think that even my... Uh, I liked Hero for the most part. Um, I actually didn't have, like, a hard time imagining him or, like, thinking of of him being the way he was. But I felt like maybe... And this is where, like, we're going to be doing this one back-to-back with Virtual Light, and we're gonna, we talked a little bit about Snow Crash in Virtual Light, where... I think that I that Hero his main reason why he's lower middle class is his own fault because he's just stubborn. I mean, he's one of the best computer programmers in the world. He's good at everything. Like Yeah, he has no weaknesses basically. Yeah, and that really bothered me that no matter what it is, he's like a a savant at it. Yeah, I mean like he's the best sword fighter in the world. He's the the best computer programmer and, and that didn't like bother me necessarily as much it's just that if we're living in like basically almost a post-apocalyptic it's definitely postmodern, like not post-apocalyptic that's not quite right but it's close like we're on that you know kind of a track maybe and i felt like the i liked virtual lights main characters of being the dark the grittier like poor people you know versus like where hero is only poor because he's stubborn he he has the had the ability to be rich, and even his friends who are rich, you know, he's like, oh, they're always offering me money and jobs, and I just won't mm-hmm. take pity. But he could be rich, you know, if he was willing to 
Part of that almost, I believe, is uh, it, this book is almost, it's kind of amazing in the way that it's, uh, I mean, it does have flaws. I'll talk about those. This isn't like my favorite book ever. <laughs> but I think it's almost like a, it's a seminal book in the cyber um, punk cyberpunk movement. But it's also, at the same time, almost a parody of the own movement. It's kind of almost helping create at the, in, at the same moment. Like, it might be why, you know, hero protagonist doesn't have any faults because, you know, in his name is like hero protagonist, the, <laughs> yeah. like almost the archetype of Superman in a way. That's true. I mean, you know, you're absolutely right. For the silly universe that he's created in this book. Well, that's even in a Superman comic, there's some sort of development that happens. Yeah. I don't feel like he changed, learned anything. Nothing affected him. And that bothers me. Maybe. Well, and I think that, like, you know, we're, we're, my whole thing, you know, Katie, you didn't care as much for Hero. I, I still liked Hero, but I thought he was flawed, you know, but, and Barry, you liked him. And I think that my whole, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle on this w- with, but my thing is, is that I guess it's just not gritty enough. Like, I feel like the w- the world should be super gritty, but I felt like the way it was written was glamorous well, I, I like it took the the ed the dark edge off of it. Even though I mean, it would have been like when I was thinking of the the scene where they where his friend is the who's the musician is throwing this big um, party, basically a big concert, open air concert. I didn't. Oh yeah, it, something else he's apparently really good at is finding a random guy and making him the most popular band. Yeah, like and and that didn't bother <laughs> me. But at all either, I mean, in, 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 in the whole thing. But what bothered me was is that when I, during that scene, what I should have been like seeing with that whole like movie in my mind is, is like a dark, like there would have been lots of homeless people. I think they mentioned there might have been, you know, mm-hmm. but I didn't imagine it as just like a stinking mob in my mind. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I was seeing VIPs everywhere and, and I don't know why. I guess I just, I couldn't envision with the way it was written it being as dark and as terrible for as many people as it should have been, you know? Yeah, I I really enjoyed the world he was creating, but I felt like the story started to take me out of that world. Maybe. And push, like, and then you kept getting cute little views of what was happening and how things were built and how things worked together. But it, it it's not really the, I think it's, it's the world I wanted out of the story, but it's not the story I wanted out of the okay. story. And Barry, what do you think? And you know, we have been pretty bad about actually talking about the world. I mean, that's the big, that's the most important thing about this book. Barry, can you describe the world a little bit? Yeah, the world is kind of like, you know, it's it's almost like an archetype of your cyberpunk. I mean, it's, it's a large city where there's a lot of really well-off rich people, well-connected. It's kind of an oligarchy, and there's a lot of people that are probably poor, but there's also a lot of like middle-class people that are just living on the fringes of society. There's a lot of drugs. There's a lot of music. There's a lot of a lot of people who are engaging in all kinds of sin. There's like once again, there's some crazy church people that are really rich. Um, and then there's a metaverse where you know that's it's almost kind of like the it's like the matrix where it's like a virtual reality world where and the main driving the driver of the plot is snow crash it's this drug that affects people in it, it affects people incredibly in the cyber world but it can also affect people in the real world at the same time and this drug can like just damage a brain and it's Part of, I think, the brilliance of this author is he ties this thing into some 
Um, and we've talked about on this podcast before about some like Tower of Babel, like ancient languages. He ties that in somehow in this into the plot where people's brains can be like wired and hacked by a, like a like a virus based upon human history in a way. Did I? Get pretty close to the mark there. Yeah, and Katie, will you talk more about like maybe you look like you wanted to say something, but did you have a, like a, something specific you wanted to say um, or? Well, maybe uh, more about the world they're in is everything is kind of divided. That's what I wanted you to talk into uh, frangelets that are controlled by different sector or um, I don't know what to say. like some the, corporations basically. Yeah, but I mean, even like the mafia legitimately controls um, like, what is like little something well yeah costa 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 nostra pizza oh yeah that too but they have um uh burb claves that they run also which yeah, are basically same. their own small cities that are like fenced they have security yeah. with um crazy weapons and well the, yeah the costa nostra pizzas serve All as right, just dear, a, you no, can talk then no i'm just saying they serve as a headquarters like they're not just they are pizza place but then around it is offices that serve as their government as well. Like it's described later on in the book when he's when the one guy's trying to go to the one franchise. Okay. Like I said, you can go ahead. Okay, no, it's not ahead. it's not a cabin in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's not a cabin in the book bo- in the woods with a nice book, a fire lip uh fire and some Wi Fi. Not that pretty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then like Hong Kong franchulets. They're not it's not like the government of Hong Kong. It's Uncle what was the guy's name again? Uncle Mr. Lee. Mr. Lee. Yeah, who started them. Um, well, and they're... So you can, if you're... Essentially, you become a citizen of the one that you're in. And so you can go to another city and basically it's your embassy. And governments don't really have control anymore. There's like drugs aren't outlawed. Nothing like that. Well, even the Burbclaves have their own security force, their own governments. Like, basically, the federal government only has power over a small, like, federal buildings and mm-hmm. small, their own small burbclaves. So that, like, there aren't functioning worldwide or nation, nationwide governments anymore. Everything is, is completely, you know, broken down into these, what did you call them, franchulets? That's what he called them? Yeah. And, and so, the, uh, everything is just so fractured. One thing I thought was funny, and in light of some things today... Uh, I like how uh, there's the the South African. What were they? The fra- New South Africa. New South Africa. Yeah, they're apartheid. They're they're racist. Only white people are allowed to live in them. And then there was a lots of like just racism in general. And I kind of felt like uh, there's probably some people that are coming out of the woodworks these days that uh, would appreciate living in bird plaves like that. Yep. <laughs> that uh, is coming out now. You mentioned government. I love. Okay, that was my favorite mm-hmm. chapter of the book. The government. I mean, it's not. It doesn't even apply to the plot that much. That's why I like yeah. this. Is you know, sometimes it doesn't even need to relate to the plot. It's just good. Is I work for the federal government. Sure, I was a Forest Service firefighter, but I still work for the federal government enough to know how ridiculous it can be <laughs> at times. And the oh, God, chapter yeah. about like YT's mom and like her office in the federal government is so prophetic. Such great parody. I mean, that's mm-hmm. almost like a great book in an, a great sm- short essay in and of itself of like what we could expect a like a totalitarian like government to work like not like a totalitarian government totalitarian government like Stalin, but think about like the office building that you come into where 
they yell at you for working too fast. They yell at you for working too slow. There's robots controlling every single moment of every single day, like they control your brakes, everything like that. I mean, I love that chapter. That was marvelous. Yeah, I loved the timing of how she like read the email. She's like, they they time this to the second. If you're too fast, they know you're slacking off. If you're too slow, then they- you're not doing it. So you have to be at about this time if you're young and eager, but about this time if you've been here a long time. Yeah, it was pretty ridiculous for sure. And then like they had, she had to read an email that was like 30 pages long about the appropriate amount of toilet paper to use and when, where you could store the toilet paper, who should bring the toilet paper, all these yeah. things. And there's some, some hyperinflation going on right now. They won't let you use like money for toilet paper. Yeah. There's like, it's like, you know, 19- well, I mean, they don't want your, your billions. Yeah. They don't want yeah. your single billion dollars. They don't want your single billion dollars. I mean, come on. What is this? Yeah. 1920s Germany? Are we real? Hey, plus- I believe they said a fire hazard. <laughs> oh, oh, not only that, but it's also defacing currency by oh, using yeah, the it's it's a federal, oh, yeah, it was a oh, federal yeah, because offense. people were using it as toilet, <laughs> toilet paper. paper. Yes, because well, when, the million dollar bills were so worthless that they were using this toilet paper. And another prophetic thing in this book that I just love is they're using cryptocurrency. This guy, 1992, yeah. is is predicting cryptocurrency. You know, it's predicting mm-hmm. like Digibyte going on right now or yeah. Bitcoin or you know. yeah. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, I mean, like there's a lot of like super cool things about the book and. You know, like Katie and I, who are both towards... Well, I'm probably in the middle. Katie's a little bit less and Barry's more. But my biggest thing is is that I felt like the world was super cool and I didn't... In the story, you know, had some had some things. But, like, let's talk about, too, you know, the kind of... we talk, He talked about Snow Crash. And this was kind of one thing that I really liked, the, the basic premise behind with, uh, like, getting into the history of it where... Because, like, it made me look at, like, ancient Samaria... And especially, it is kind of crazy that one of the first civilizations, th- their language never, it has zero basis of any, no language has ever, you know, spread from S- Sumerian. But so they're trying to find a way, you know, I guess to basically to impose religion on people. That's kind of what L. Bob Reif is trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I thought the whole, the neuro-linguistic virus, the origin, I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. But... It was the longest, most needlessly detailed info dump that once you thought it was over, the next chapter, oh, there it is again. You think it's over? Oh, there it is again. And then suddenly, you know it's over. And And he repeats it to somebody else. Yeah, he did repeat it to all the big wigs. Like, at the I don't end. like. He went over completely. Went over it again. It was so unnecessary. Here's a term, and I mean, I like the book a lot. Katie liked it a little less. I think we'll agree with her that you know there were parts that did have needless, uh, needless drivel. I mean, I will it, agree with her on that. Uh, it's a term I talk about with my wife when we watch movies. Sometimes, even some of my favorite movies, like Lawrence of Arabia, do this. It's called middle parting. They just turn into straight just middle parts. They want to put more in the middle, like Horse Whisper did this too. Yes, I. <laughs> watch that movie don't judge me all right i watched it alone it wasn't even a romance i just wanted to watch it it was good music and robert redford's a great actor give me a break here well yeah i don't want to hear any crap all right but no i watched horse whisperer by myself you know it middle party you know you could have had that whole story without this like weird little simpering romance between the lady and robert redford but they decided to middle part and put it in for Lawrence of Arabia, a great movie. They could have done without some of those middle just walking through the desert parts. Could have told the same great story. I'm sure you can think of some other examples yourself at home, you know. But this book did have some middle parts in finger quotations. <laughs> this right? book did middle part 
almost until the end. Like from like halfway. Well, I felt like basically once he left, once he got his motorcycle and started on the road, then that, then there was a lot of that. One thing and two, like I do like with uh, like, you know, the main bad guy, kind of, I guess, L. Bob Rife. Is that that you know? I feel like we're spoil we're giving some spoilers, but this book's old enough. We we gave some spoilers with Virtual Light too, I guess. Basically, they're not too big a spoilers. Not too I big. Don't think. No. But I love how though that you know just just showing how far the like governments have fallen. L. Bob Rife's headquarters is a an aircraft carrier that he bought from the uh, as a. Uh, Navy surp from a Navy surplus auction or something like yeah. that because they they couldn't have aircraft carriers anymore you know because they couldn't afford it but and his his armada basically just floats around from the Pacific and picks up people from the um, people just kind of float Asia. out yeah. to it and attach that was the most middle party part of the book I thought yeah. is them floating mm. on the ocean there. I was like, it does. It definitely felt like a dentist po- appointment. Parts of those, uh, mm-hmm. parts of that book, well, but I liked it otherwise. Yeah, yeah well, because then he goes back into the metaverse and talks to, can't remember what the guy's name was. Now, I mean, he was just a construct. The librarian. The librarian. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't remember yeah. that name. Couldn't remember the librarian <laughs> who is like a construct oh, of the God. metaverse. But yeah, he would just go in and then they would do the big info dumps. But see, here's the thing. I was actually more okay with those info dumps than most people would be because it was all about uh, Sumerian history and it was like uh, weird uh, nerd porn for me to listen to the history. Nerd porn. Uh, I've never heard that <laughs> and so I could on one hand understand that, yeah, that's a crazy info dump that does not need to be there, but also enjoy it at the same time. And I understand where maybe you not liking, not caring one whit about history like me, dear. Well, I can still find things interesting. And I used to watch like on the Science Channel, they used to have the Egyptology shows. I used to watch the crap out of those. Yeah. But I found this super boring and needless. (laughs) Yeah. No, and I can understand that. I mean... Like I said, I didn't actually mind those parts. The, the where it got tedious was when he went back at the afterwards and come and literally relayed the exact same information that we've been getting as a reader. And he, and Stevenson actually told the whole story out again to those people. I honestly, it felt like he thought that it was so clever that he had to give every detail that might lead to it, and then oh, he's so clever. Maybe you didn't get it. So I'm going to tell you again. I kind of see myself doing that. Sometimes I tell a joke and my wife doesn't get it. <laughs> and then I tell it again and she finally has to say, Barry, I got it. I got it. I just didn't think it was funny. <laughs> That's why I didn't laugh. So I need. I guess I need to acknowledge every time I got your joke, but it wasn't funny. Now I think she has a good system. She just says, boo. Anytime, anytime <laughs> the j- joke's too lame. Katie just stops me because I do the same thing to Katie. And then she's just like, you already told me. Or it'll be a story. I'm like, you told me that like three days ago. Did she ever give I'm you good. the quiet coyote? I mean, I think Hannah could use the quiet coyote thing, you know, like this, you know, <laughs> they do it. They do it around here. You know, you get, you put your like, it's kind of like almost a heavy metal thing. You're like, like the horns. I know this isn't a video show, but you know, I'm showing you guys, you know, your ears are open. You got your index and your pinky finger and your mouth's closed. <laughs> That's your quiet coyote. <laughs> That's something you could say to elementary kids to get them to quiet or seniors. Doesn't matter. There you are. <laughs> Try it on seniors. Look, get that look on their face. I, I've tried it. You know, you get this look of like, oh my goodness, you're actually doing that on me. <laughs> but yeah, no. So yeah, I think that um, 
And you know what's funny is, is I kind of feel like we've been a little bit all over the place on this interview, but I feel like the book was that way too. So I don't really feel as bad about being all over. Yeah. It, it took some detours, but usually the detours were things I really liked out of it. And also, so just to get back on the, the part that I didn't like, I should have liked it because it had to do with linguistics, which was one of my favorite subjects in college. I, yeah. It just didn't do it for me. I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed by it because I really wanted it to be more. Yeah. Well, the one thing that I, for me personally, I thought it was my favorite way to describe like as a potential for religion. It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean Barry, Barry's just looking at it, me with a disgusted look on his you're face. Right. I don't know I if mean, just from just before. As, I'm seeing more similarity. I, I read this in virtual light, very di- very far apart from each other. And uh-huh. I'm seeing a lot more similarities now that we've been talking about them the last two weeks. I missed some of the similarities. So anyway, um, I, mo- I mentioned la- last week I didn't make a LeBron James reference. So I need to say <laughs> LeBron James twice. So I think we took care of it now. So my my LBJ references are now like up to an average of one per episode again. I don't know if I, I don't know why it started off as an accident, you know, some stupid little Easter egg I threw into this. But, you know, there we go. There we go. Um, is your protagonist like LeBron James? Kind of. He kind of is perfect. He's good, you know, all kinds of things. Well, I mean, like, you know, he's... He's like the LeBron James of swordsmanship, right? <laughs> I feel like LeBron James is more likable. Really? Mm-hmm. I, I didn't he does find, whine a lot. Hero? I didn't find... Yeah, I didn't find him likable. I think that... the I didn't dislike Hero... Well, yeah, there, I, I didn't dislike him. I didn't think he was likable. I didn't think he was relatable. That's I, the what he was. You know, like, he was just a guy. The thing is, about. is I think that Hero wouldn't have been like he's not the kind of guy you'd want to go have a beer with. No, maybe. I don't know if I. He's. I'd no, do no. it if so. I'd do it if he was picking the tab. Yeah. Oh yeah. But no. <laughs> I let's mean, go, free beer. Let, let's free talk beer. about our other uh, main character, YT. So yeah. So Chevette, who from Virtual Light, who was a courier, and YT was a courier in this one. This is where, like I, I said, you know, they're very similar. They're both like very attractive, like all American blonde, you know. And YT. I can picture them both wearing like. Two, two double ponytails. <laughs> does, does that make sense? Does, am I too far off the mark there? You know what's funny is, is that I had trouble with YT seeing her this way. Like I saw her as like a really thin, skinny little girl, like maybe attractive, but like in the wayfish way, when she clearly is described as having, you know, like large breasts and being tall and blonde and athletic. Well, at the very least, yeah, she would have to be athletic for her job. Yeah. And But I don't know why yeah. in my mind... Like I didn't, I couldn't picture her the, the way that she's actually, I mean, like physically described throughout the mm-hmm. book. I picture him kind of like, a, you know, you guys ever remember that band Fluke? You know, there's this music no. video, Atom Bomb in the early, like mid to nineties. Yeah. There's this girl in that <laughs> book, you know, I just, I picture them <laughs> acting like that female, you know, you guys obviously know that, right? No, no you don't. <laughs> but like, just so you guys don't know, you guys uh, haven't read uh new romancer, the true archetype of cyberpunk female characters is Molly Millions bar none. Any cyberpunk female character has to be based on Molly Millions. That's where it starts, you know, and people who've read that would understand. And but these girls don't have glass eyes. Yeah, I I had no problem with the way she was described. I didn't no, I necessarily. Just had a 
Yeah, I didn't... A lot of times I forget the main descriptions of characters unless it's super important. So I didn't even really think about it. And then let's talk about Barry um, Raven. Like, (laughs) Raven is awesome. Raven is cool. If he wasn't a villain, I'd want to have a beer with him more than here. No, right. I still would want to have a villain. With I don't even feel like you know, he was that bad. You know, he, like, <laughs> he throws like an interesting, you know, like race thing here. He's an Aleutian Indian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. There's not a whole lot of those, I'm guessing, especially this time period in the future. Yeah. Well, and he there really aren't that many now. You know, yeah. And he gets to talk about like the and and one thing, too, like this is actually, you know, time wise, more like the 90s or early 2000s when this stuff's happening. And um, he hates white people for a really, like a really good reason. Look at your history on the uh, what happened to the Aleutians, and yeah, uh, look at World War Two. Yeah, yeah, and shortly, and then like into the fifties, uh, things you know the U.S. government didn't always treat their people very well, and the and like so he's a bad guy. He kills lots of people. I mean that's basically what he is is a, just a, a killing machine. Yeah, and he is like a balanced fajito in that he's really good at everything. Yeah. Like really good at everything that he does. <laughs> so I think we're all in agreement that uh, Raven was awesome character. Yeah. yeah. And who he, we all loved. He had way more motivation, I feel like, than Hero did for what he was doing. Well, Hero he was just interested in a girl. He didn't even seem to care about his friend. He never mentioned that again. No. <laughs> he, and the thing is, too, is, is that Hero, he... Everything that he does isn't because he's trying to better society or save people or, you know, well, I mean, it's to save his girlfriend. He goes to the to Armada, the raft, to, because she went. Like, he is literally not She's doing... She's not even his girlfriend no. anymore. And, and in between, she was his best friend's wife at one point. It's not like yeah. Brian Adams. Everything I do, <laughs> I do it for you. Is that Brian Adams or is that Rod Stewart? I get it mixed up. That's definitely Brian Adams. Okay, okay. Not Rod Stewart. Remember Rod yeah, Stewart? They're both in the same. If you, if you had to have a taxonomy of singers, I think they're in the same genus, would you Oof, say? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I'd quite go there. Well, I feel like. They're not in the same Barry family. Barry Manilow and Rod Stewart are more. Okay, okay. They're, 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 they're all three in the same. Okay, okay. I haven't gotten my cladistics yet, but you know. <laughs> not quite in the same relation to Metallica and Megadeth. I don't know. <laughs> all right. So right. we're at 40 minutes. I feel like we've got at least 25 minutes of usable thing in this whole thing. <laughs> 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 so let's get into the like, let's get past the world building and stuff and get into the like, the whole uh, recommendation. Did we like it? And all that kind of stuff then. So... I'm just going to ask Barry, did you like it? I did enjoy this book. Katie. I enjoyed parts of this book. Okay. And I'm going to say that I liked it. I didn't love it. But you I didn't li- want some more of it. Well, you know what's funny is... <laughs> is tried that- so, Katie tried so hard, but she couldn't rise above it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so... I'm, there's, there's levels of sadness. I've hit at least level two or three. Um, <laughs> I get now it's in my head i swear to christ barry who even does that song it's achy breaky heart by uh what's what's oh, miley billy cyrus's it's, dad? it's miley cyrus's dad he's, he's, he's out now miley cyrus's dad it's not billy ray cyrus you know? <laughs> billy ray she used to be billy ray cyrus's daughter now he's B- miley cyrus's dad oh <laughs> how the tables have turned <laughs> uh, God, was, was michael jackson ever tito jackson's little brother no no nope i don't think at any point ever okay maybe okay you're right. So uh, maybe, okay, maybe before he was famous. 
Well, yeah, maybe, but not before any and of in, us. In some sects, he might have just been known as the uh, the brother of Janet Jackson, but that's true. Yeah, yeah. She yeah. was. An, I don't think she was ever more popular overall, but to some people, I'm sure. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Yeah. Okay, so we've got that. Uh, Barry liked it. I liked it. Katie liked parts of it. Like parts of it. <laughs> like, how did it make us feel? Question can be funny. But you know what's funny is, is that at times I was just completely into it. And at other times I was able to consciously think like I should or like this. I'm not getting what I know I should be getting out of the book, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe there were times where, you know, we felt like, oh, man, this we're not getting their jokes. And maybe I am beneath some of those jokes and beneath a lot of stuff sometimes. But um Anyway, yeah, so I thought, you know, it was really entertaining. I liked it. I liked his sass. I like his pizzazz. It made me feel kind of hopeful for the hopeful sometimes. No, it didn't make me feel hopeful. Good <laughs> golly. No, it didn't make me hopeful. What was I thinking? Jeez. That's like the least applicable word here, hopeful. But yeah, it's pretty I, bleak. <laughs> it's pretty bleak. It's pretty bleak stuff. Doesn't make you feel hopeful for the future, but it, you know, it made me feel like uh, I liked the parody. Uh, maybe you know, kind of like almost it kind of painted the picture, painted the picture of the world in a way that like you can't picture by reading the news, any news source, even the good ones, if they still exist. I don't know, <laughs> but I thought. I mean, that's. I guess that's how it made me feel. It made me feel really entertained and like there's almost some stand-up comedy in there, almost. And like I got to say this, you know, I mentioned it to you guys earlier. Like I've never been so entertained by the book sleeve about the author that's so funny that makes me <laughs> oh, yeah. want to go it out was and really have funny. a Mountain Dew or a beer with the author. One of the <laughs> two. Dew. You take a guess. A, B. Okay, so start a user poll. I don't know. What do I mean? But mm, I want to party with Neil Stevenson, by the way. Yeah, he's a cool dude. Yeah. And yeah. I think that for like me, the biggest thing is, is that I was entertained and I feel like I was aware of what I was supposed to be feeling. I just wasn't quite feeling it, you know? Like, I was... I could see what he was doing. I understood it, and I was entertained by the story itself in the world, but I just didn't care as much about the story. I Some of the parts were really interesting. Some parts were exciting. One of the parts that I actually liked the best was the rat things. Like oh, those yeah. were really the interesting. I, oh my goodness. The, that was the most invested in it that I got. <laughs> and then by the end, I kind of wanted it to be over. And I was really, I felt like it just ended super abruptly and didn't resolve enough for me either. Yeah. Actually, that's the thing that's funny is, is that I wanted 10 more pages it really does just end, doesn't it? It yeah. does, yeah. By the like way, abrupt. By the way, mm-hmm. the rat things, do they remind you of that like kind of shark type dog off Eek the Cat? Oh, yeah. Watch Eek the Hunt, that's what I <laughs> that picture. Is... That's what I picture when I hear about the rat things. Those things are so awesome. I want one as a pet. I want to train <laughs> yeah. it. I want to cuddle it. I want to love it. I but only call it if it can talk to you and like uh, yeah. you can understand it. And then it. I'll tuck them into bed and feed them pancakes. You know, <laughs> you know, I'll put meat chunks in the pancakes if that's what they want. Okay. So we got a couple more things here on the, would you recommend it to other people? Brandon. And yes, then, and I did. <laughs> yes, you did, huh? Brandon. <laughs> um, Barry, you did recommend it to, I, uh, to me. 
And uh, or I think Casey recommended it, but he didn't. Uh, oh yeah, Casey did recommend it, and then he unfortunately has been working like fourteen hours a day. So, but yeah, I read it. In fact, I talked about it in my like end of the year thing. I read it. I wasn't even planning on doing this in the podcast, but I like this yeah. book a lot. Um, I, okay, if we're gonna do if we're gonna do ratings here, I'd have to say I give it a four point five. It wasn't like the best book ever. I saved that for like books that I really, really love, but. 4.5, it definitely had its flaws. It had its middle parts, but it had enough good that it gets a solid 4.5 for me. Okay. Katie, what about yourself? Uh, you go first. Okay. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna give it a soft four. Like I certainly I have been I have waffled all over on this. I started off as a five star, I went down to a three, then I realized I was an idiot and I was wrong on my dates. I'm gonna give it a four. It's a soft four. Like it's gonna depend on the day whether I'm gonna rate it a high, four, you know, like a good solid four or a three and a half. And today we're, I'm a four. And so, um, I would. What's funny is is that I think that when we when we ask if I would recommend to others, I'm gonna pull a Casey move here and I'm gonna say I would recommend people read Virtual Light instead, and maybe read this one as well. And in fact, I want people to read Virtual Light and Snow Crash and tell me what you think about it and which one you prefer. And read, read Neuromancer too somewhere. In there, yeah. And if you get time. yeah. And so, anyways, I feel like this is the uh, most all over the place I've ever been in a podcast. I'm going to blame Bran, trying to get him to run or not be loud and run around as part of my problem. Mm-hmm. Katie, what do you think? Um, uh, Honestly, I'm kind of in maybe a three star. I in I enjoyed it at the beginning, and then I didn't even want to finish it. Yeah, fair enough. I, I can understand that. And for me, uh, the day, like I said, it's going to depend on the day. Really, that's more than any other book I've ever... <laughs> I'm going to have to leave that in there, too. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> Bram, what do you give it? What, what star do you give it? <laughs> you know you're being funny. He knows it. Hello. <laughs>